book six chapter thirteen of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter thirteen next day i found that evadne's cold was decidedly worse and as the weather was severe i ordered her to stay in her own rooms am i going to be ill she asked no i answered pooh-poohing the notion doctor you dash my hopes she said i am always happy when i am ill it is such a relief i had heard her use the phrase twice before but it was only now that i saw her meaning physical suffering was evidently a relief from the mental misery and this proved that the trouble was of longer standing than i had at first suspected she had used the same expression i remembered when i first attended her during that severe attack of pneumonia colonel cahoon had returned she told me but i did not see him that day as he was out next morning however i came earlier on purpose and encountered him in the hall he was not in uniform i was thankful to see for he was very apt to assume his orderly room manners therewith and they were decidedly objectionable to the average civilian whatever military men might think of them ah how do you do he said so you've been having honors thrust upon you well i congratulate you i'm sure sincerely in so far as they are a pleasure to you but i condole with you from the bottom of my heart for your loss i'm afraid mrs cahoon is giving you more trouble now don't say the trouble's a pleasure for i'll not believe a word of it with all you have to occupy you it is no pleasure to see her ill i answered how is she to-day on my word i can't tell you because i haven't seen her i haven't the entree to her private apartments but come and see my new horse he broke off he was in an exceedingly good humour i got him in ireland and i'm inclined to think him a beauty but i'd like to have your opinion it's worth having the horse was like colonel cahoon himself showy one of those high steppers that put their feet down where they lift them up almost and get over no ground at all to speak of having occupied without compunction in inspecting this animal half an hour of the time he considered too precious to be wasted on his wife colonel cahoon summoned evadne's maid to show me upstairs and cheerfully went his way but that remark of his about the entree to his wife's apartments had made an impression i was in duty bound to follow up any clue to the cause of her present state of mind and here was perhaps a morbid symptom why have you quarrelled with your husband i asked in my most of course tone as soon as i was seated and had heard about her cold i have not quarrelled with my husband she answered evidently surprised then what does he mean by saying that he hasn't the entree to your private apartments i am sure he made no complaint about that she answered tranquilly this was true he had merely mentioned the fact casually and not as a thing that affected his comfort or happiness in any way colonel cahoon and i are better friends now if anything than we have ever been she added of her own accord with inquiry in her eyes as if she wanted to know what could have made me think otherwise 
i should have said myself that they were excellent friends but what precisely did friends mean i scented something anomalous here however it was not a point that i considered it advisable to pursue i had ascertained that there was no morbid feeling in the matter and that was all that i required to know i only paid her a short visit that morning and did not return for two days but i had been thinking seriously about her case in the interval and carefully prepared to inquire into it particularly and an evident increase of languor and depression gave me a good opening tell me how you are to-day i began any trouble the worry in my head is awful she exclaimed let me go downstairs i am better there she was essentially a child of light and air and movement requiring sunshine indoors as well as out to keep her in health an italian proverb says where the sun does not come the doctor does and this had been only too true in her case it was pure animal instinct which had made the west window of the drawing-room her favorite place nature animal and vegetable is under an imperative law to seek the sun and she had unconsciously obeyed it for her own good but she required more than that transient gleam in the western window a sun-bath daily when it could be had is what i should have prescribed for her and from her next remark i judged that she had discovered for herself the harm which the deprivation of light was doing her i can see the sun all day long beyond the shadow of the house she continued but i want to feel it too i would like it to shine on me in the early morning and wake me up and warm me there is no heat so grateful and i only feel half alive in these dark damp rooms i never had bronchitis or was delicate at all in any way until we came here let me go down won't you well as your cold is so much better you may go downstairs if you like but you mustn't go out i answered how are you going to amuse yourself oh she looked around the room as if in search of something i don't know exactly work i suppose you don't read much no not now she answered leaning forward with her hands clasped on her lap and looking dreamily into the fire does that mean that you used to read once i pursued you have plenty of books here she looked toward the well-filled cases yes she said old friends i seldom open any of them now do you never feel that they reproach you for losing interest in them she smiled i think perhaps they are relieved because i have ceased from troubling them from requiring more of them than they could give me she answered smothering a sigh may i look at them i asked anticipating her permission by rising and going toward them yes certainly she answered rising herself and following me languidly the books were arranged in groups science history biography travels poetry fiction with bound volumes of such periodicals as the contemporary review the nineteenth century and the westminster i read the titles of the volumes in the science divisions with surprise for she had never betrayed nor had i ever suspected that she had added the incident of learning to the accident of brains but if she knew the contents of but half of these books well she must be a highly educated woman i took out several to see how they had been read and found them all carefully annotated with marginal notes very clearly written 
and containing apposite quotations from and references to the best authorities on the various subjects this was especially the case with books on the natural sciences the physical ones having apparently interested her less these are not very elegant books for a lady's boudoir she said referring to the plain dark bindings i dislike gorgeously bound books and could never make a pet of one they are like overdressed people all one's care is concentrated upon their appearance and their real worth of character if they have any escapes one were you ever an omnivorous reader i asked no i am thankful to say she answered her natural aptitude for intellectual pursuits overcoming her artificial objection to them as she looked at her books and became interested in them in spite of herself for i noticed that the average reader who reads much remembers little and is absurdly inaccurate it is as bad to read everything as to eat everything the mind when it is gorged with a surfeit of subjects retains none of them she had a fairly representative collection of french italian german books all equally well read and annotated each in its own language the french and italian being excellent but the german imperfect although as she told me she liked both the language and the literature very much the best of the three german suggested ideas to me she said and that is why i paid less attention to the construction of the language i think but i am afraid you will find no elegancies in any tongue i use for language has always been to me a vehicle of thought and not a part of art to be employed with striking effect now here is carlyle the arch phrase-maker i always admired him more than i loved him but his books are excellent for intellectual exercise he forced those phrases from his brain with infinite pains and when you take them collectively you find yourself obliged to force them into yours in like manner she had become all interest and animation by this time and i had never known her so delightful as she was that morning while showing me her books she had no objection to lending me any that i chose although i told her that i only wanted them to read her notes i took a variety but found no morbid tendency in any remarks she had made upon them i paid my visit late in the afternoon next day and found evadne in the drawing-room she was standing in the window when i entered but came down the room to greet me i have been watching for you she said i hoped you would come early and i have also been watching that party of jubilant ducks waddling down the road come and see them i believe they belong to us they must have escaped from the yard but aren't they enjoying the ramble that old drake is quite puffed up with excitement and importance he goes along nodding his head and saying again and again to the ducks now didn't i tell you so and aren't you glad you took my advice and came and all the ducks are smiling and complimenting him upon his wisdom and courage they ought to be driven back but i haven't the heart to spoil their pleasure just yet by informing against them i was standing beside her in the window now and she looked up at me smiling as she spoke she was brighter under the immediate influence even of the watery winter sun now a red ball glowing behind the brown branches of the leafless trees than she had been in her gloomy north room 
and i took this lively interest in the adventurous ducks to be a glimpse of the joyous healthy mind seeing character in all things animate and gifted with sympathy as well as insight which must naturally have been hers when am i to go out she asked i begin to long for a sight of my fellow-creatures i don't want to speak to them i only want to see them but i am sociable to that extent when i am in my right mind tell me about this mental malady i begged ah she began laughing up at me but with a touch of bitterness i interest you now i am a case you do not flatter me but i mean to give you every help in my power if only you could cure me she clasped her hands and held them out to me the gesture of an instant but full of earnest entreaty come from the window i said it is chilly here yes come to the fire she rejoined leading the way and sit down and let us have tea and talk and be cosy you want me to talk about myself and i will if i can i was happy just now but you see i am depressed in a moment it is misery to me to be so variable and i constantly feel as if i wanted something to be somewhere or to have something i don't know where or what it is a sort of general dissatisfaction but it is all the worst for not being positive if i knew what i wanted i should be cured by the effort to obtain it she rang the bell and began to make up the fire and i sat down and watched her because she liked to do those things in her own house strangers wait upon me she said but my friends allow me to wait upon them when the servant had brought tea and retired she began again now question me she said and make me tell you the truth i am sure you will tell me the truth i asserted i am sure i shall try she replied but i am not so sure that i shall succeed if you provoke me i shall fence with you if you confuse me i shall unwittingly say yes when i mean no in fact i am surprised to find myself confiding this trouble to you at all it has come about by accident but i am very glad it is such a relief to speak but how has it come about she broke off did you suspect suspect what that i am insane you are not insane i answered harshly she looked at me as if my words or manner amused her i remember now she said i complained of the worry in my head and then you questioned me it is not an uncommon complaint i rejoined is it not she answered well i don't know whether to be sorry for the other sufferers or relieved to think that i am not the only one which is what you intend i believe but doctor the misery is terrible especially now that it has become almost incessant it drives me fills my mind with such dreadful ideas i have actually meditated murder lately murder in the abstract i suppose no murder actually murder for my own benefit or what i fancy in that mood would be for my benefit the murder of one poor miserable creature whom i pity with all my heart and really care for when i am in my right mind my heart sank it was not necessary for me to know and i had no inclination to ask who the one poor miserable creature was and when the impulse is on you what do you do i said it is not an impulse exactly she answered at least it is nothing which i have ever had the slightest inclination to act upon i am just possessed by the idea whatever it may be and then i cannot sit still 
i have to rush out into regent street for example i suggested her last remark having thrown a sudden side light upon that occurrence yes she said but i didn't know i was going to regent street i had read of dickens prowling about the streets of london late at night when he was suffering from the effects of overwork and recovering his tranquillity and power in that way and i thought i would try the experiment so i went out and just walked on until i was tired and then i got into an omnibus so as to be with the people and when it stopped and they all got out i got out too and walked on again and then that horrid old man spoke to me it was a great shock but it had the happiest effect i woke up as it were the moment i got rid of him and felt quite myself again and then i hurried back as you know you still disapprove well in one way perhaps you are right but still it did me good she stopped and looked into the fire thoughtfully and then she smiled forgive me do she said i know i behaved badly next day i could not help it the sudden relief to my mind had sent my spirits up inordinately for one thing and then your face your consternation was really comical if i had injured you irreparably in your estimation of the value of your own opinion of people you could not have cared more but i am sorry very very sorry she added with feeling that you should have lost your respect for me what could make you think that i had lost my respect for you i asked in surprise because you know you have never come to see me since as you used to do she looked at me a moment wistfully and i knew she half expected me to explain or make some excuse but i could not unfortunately do either without making bad worse i could assure her however honestly that i had not lost my respect for her and i came to see you when you required me i added but she was not satisfied i know your philanthropy she said but i would rather have you come as of old because you believed in me and like and respect me i value your friendship and it pains me to find that you can only treat me now like any other suffering sinner is it going to be so always will the child kill me with her innocent talk she had not alluded to the discontinuance of my visits before i thought she had not missed me and being in a double mood had been somewhat hurt by the seeming indifference although i would not have had her want me when i could not come now however i was greatly distressed to find the construction she had put upon my absence and all the more so because i could not explain do not say that i exclaimed you have always had you always will have my most sincere respect it is part of an unhealthy state of mind which makes you doubt the attachment of your friends she was glad to accept this assertion ah yes she said i know the symptoms but i had forgotten for the moment thank you i am so glad to see you again she sighed leaned back in her chair folded her hands on her lap and looked at me if only as a doctor she added slowly you have some mysterious power over my mind all great doctors have the power i mean i wonder what it is your very presence restores me in an extraordinary way 
you dispel the worry in my head without a word by just being here however bad it is i used to long for you so on those days when you never came and i used to watch for you and be disappointed when you drove past but then i always said he will come to-morrow and that was something to look forward to i used to think at first you would get over my escapade or learn to take another view of it but then when you never came i gradually lost heart and hope and that is how it was i broke down i think this guileless confidence affected me painfully but i want to discover the secret of a great doctor's success she pursued what is your charm there is something mesmeric about you i think something inimical to disease at all events there is healing in your touch and your very manners make an impression which cures knowledge i suppose has nothing to do with it i suggested smiling no nothing she answered emphatically i have carried out directions of yours successfully which had been previously given to me by another doctor and tried by me without effect you alter the attitude of one's mind somehow that is how you do it i believe well i hope to alter the present attitude of your mind completely i answered and to resume i want you to tell me how you feel when one of those tormenting thoughts has passed do you suffer remorse for having entertained it only an occasional pang she said i do not allow myself to sorrow or suffer for thoughts which i cannot control i am suffering from a morbid state of mind and it is my duty to fight against the impulses which it engenders but my responsibility begins and ends with the struggle and i am quite sure that it is wiser to try and forget that such ideas ever were than to encourage them to haunt me by recollecting them even for purposes of penitential remorse and when it is not a criminal impulse that affects you criminal she ejaculated aghast at the word i had used it on purpose to see its effect upon her and was satisfied the moral consciousness was still intact yes i persisted but when it is not an impulse of that kind what is it that disturbs your mind thoughts of the suffering the awful needless suffering that there is in the world the perception of it is a spur which goads me at times so that i feel as if i could do almost anything to lessen the sum of it but then you see my hands are tied so that all i can do is think 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 we must change that to work 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 i said it is too late she answered despondently body and mind have suffered mind and body all that is not wrong in me is weak i would have it otherwise yes but give me some anodyne to relieve the pain that is all you can do for me now i will give you no anodyne either actual or figurative i answered rising to go if you had no recuperative force left in you there would be less energy in your despair it rests with yourself now entirely to be as healthy-minded as ever again if you like i never could remember whether i said good-bye to her that day or just walked out of the room like the forgetful bore i sometimes am with the words on my lips End of book six.
End of Book Six, Chapter Thirteen.